eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You are joined by me, your host, David Davenport, and we have got in the room again, Chris Robin from the other side of the pond. How are you doing, Chris? Are you okay? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, moments ago, before we went live, we, we talked about our, the weather in our respective uh, countries and where we live. So it's been sunny in 75 uh, at least, so having a great time here right outside of Detroit, Michigan this time of year. Fantastic. And we had the ADP buyers beware, so we thought it was only made sense to get you back on this week to talk about the players that are our value picks at their current ADP. And as you just alluded to, the UK is currently going through a heat wave. Uh, we struggled this week and it's what us Brits love to talk about the most is the weather because it is so changeable here and we do not know what it's going to be like from one day to the next. So, Chris, you've hit a big milestone on Twitter this week. You've just hit the 4,000 follower mark. So, massive congratulations for that. Thank you so much. It's, uh, I, I've mentioned it a few times where I, I'm not up as far as, like, Twitter followers. and like, not, like, I'm not a big numbers guy within reason. So, when I say that, uh, Twitter followers, the more you have, it, it's great for exposure. But it doesn't mean a thing if you aren't a good person and you're not using it to help others or give good advice, you know, and be supportive of other people. So I could have 10 million followers. And if I was uh, rude and tried to step on necks and, you know, stifle people's creative process, then it'd be no good. So a hundred followers or 4,000 followers. Uh, I like to think that we all, you know, can use it for, for a good, good thing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Chris, you're one of those people out there that you will you will interact with anybody. You're always a good person to, to have a conversation with on Twitter. And we've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last few months here at the Full 10 Yards. So for anyone that's listening to the podcast that isn't following you yet, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Beastie, D-E-T-R-O-I-T, and then Beastie, B-E-A-S-T-I-E, born and raised in Detroit. My cat's name is Beastie. That's how it all happened. Fantastic. Yeah. So like I say, make sure you are out there following Chris. So today's topic, we are talking about players ADP, but as opposed to last week, we are talking about players that we are snapping up at their current ADP. These are the ones where you cannot believe they have fallen to you in the draft and you cannot hit the draft button quick enough. So we will flip between the two. We will each come up with a couple of suggestions as to who we can get We'll have a little discussion about those and then we will look to Twitter because we've had plenty of response this week as to who people are drafting at their current ADP. So Chris, would you like to start us off? Who is your first player that you are biting the hand off to draft at their ADP? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, letting me have a first crack at this. So my first choice was uh, Houston, Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Now, if you look at where he's going, he's like a fifth-round pick, 
within, and I say with it respective reasoning to your format. In a super flex, it's a lot quicker. Uh, I base all my ADP and my decisions just off of one quarterback uh, kind of league. So if you look at where Deshaun Watson's going, his uh, ADP is about 50.8. That's from Fantasy Football uh, Calculator, which makes him the fifth overall quarterback in, in all the mocks that I've seen and all the mocks that I've done. And the NFL and especially fantasy sports is such a what have you done for me lately atmosphere. I've heard, honestly, I've heard little to no conversation about Deshaun Watson. And whatever conversation I have heard about him is all, it's negative because they, they lost D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins. He's in Arizona now. But they've gained David Johnson and they've gained Brandon Cooks. And when I started to uh, comb through what he did last season, he, had a, he has a career 66.8 completion percentage. And that puts you, if you look at the list of, you know, the greatest all-time completion percentages, like that brings you to like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, who's like in the, in the low to mid 70s. I believe Drew Brees is number one overall currently at 73.8. But keeping it more, uh, more active and recent, if just going back to last season, your Super Bowl champion MVP Patrick Mahomes had a 65.9 percentage uh, completion percentage. And then old school quarterback Tom Brady had 63.8 so if you put uh, D Watson in there he's he had a better uh, completion percentage than those two studs he had uh, 330 plus completions last two seasons in a row uh, 26 total touchdowns passing touchdowns the last two seasons and you can almost pencil him in for at least 400 rushing yards the last two seasons so at 50 50 overall and my fifth overall quarterback to me, it's a no-brainer. I'd wear out my draft key, but, you know, enter, enter, enter button, and I, I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, definitely, and he's one of those players that can put the team on his back and he can just win those games, and we've seen it so many times with Watson. I guess, like you've, you've mentioned too already, and this is why his ATP is, is as low as it is, it's if you throw a ball anywhere near DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to catch it. He's, he's one of the most – he's probably the, the best – hands in the league and also with the contested catches, he's, he's going to get that. And it's going to be a different game with Brandon Cooks, who many people are, are slating because of his concussions and they, they reckon that he's injury prone. However, he's actually only missed two games in the last five seasons. Uh, but I do just wonder, have they got too many of the same now with, with Kenny Stills, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks in the offence? Is, is there too many of the, of the same kind of player? And is Deshaun Watson really going to miss that contested catch guy in Hopkins this year? But he was, as, part, as far as points per games go, he was the QB2 last year, only behind Lamar Jackson. So I think he's a steal. And I've, I've just looked on the um, UDK from the, the fantasy footballers and his, his ADP is actually at 609. So that's, that's an even better price than, than on fantasy football calculators. So... I think if you're getting to that part of the draft and he is there, then Sean Watson is definitely one to, to snap up. And with or without Hopkins this year, mm-hmm. he, is, he is going to give you much better value than, than what you paid for him. And real quick, I'd be, you know, you guys would kick me out of the fantasy football community if I told you that uh, it's not that big a deal that Houston doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. And I, I don't believe that. But just saying, 
you, you added David Johnson and Brandon Cooks, as you alluded to, and I could see a scenario where, you know, David Johnson is reinvigorated in a way. And again, all opinion, who knows what we're going to get, but he is a, a PPR kind of running back where he can catch that, that swing pass or a little quick slant. So that's only going to help uh, Deshaun Watson and boost, you know, his completion percentage. I know I've, I've hammered home completion percentage, and that doesn't, that's not a, a stat where you get points or wins for in your fantasy team, but that's a stat that tells you the success a quarterback is going to have because obviously uh, completions lead to touchdowns, first down, fantasy yardage, points, things of that nature. So I'm not in Houston. I'm not a Texans fan, so uh, the loss of DeAndre Hopkins isn't really – um, stresses me out or upsets me that much. But you brought in Cooks, as you said, and David Johnson. I think Wat Watkins, or excuse me, Watson is going to be a okay in Houston this season, and he's a steal. And I'll give me all the shares of Deshaun Watson you can. Definitely. So with my first one, I am selecting a running back, and I am going for James White in New England. And for me, he is the guy that every single year is neglected in drafts because we forget just what a PPR machine he is. So over the last few years, he has been Tom Brady's go-to in the passing game. He receives little to no work on the ground, but as far as a PPR perspective goes, which is the, the all-important one for, for James White, he is currently being drafted uh, in the, towards the end, mid to, mid to late eighth round as the RB40. And if we just look at last year, for example, he averaged 13.4 points per game and finished as a running back 23. And that was as high as the running back 18 in 2018. So we've obviously lost Tom Brady in New England this year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jarrett Stidham is going to come in and lead the way for the New England Patriots. But I, I think that offense is going to be slightly weaker than it has been in previous years. And Stidham is going to need that dump-off option. He's going to need James White out of the backfield. He's going to need those receptions just as much as Tom Brady ever did. And even if New England aren't as prolific as they have been for the past few seasons, there is still going to be that role in the offense for James White. And I think as your RB2, maybe even a flex position, in the eighth round is an absolute steal for him. I couldn't agree more with you. And then um, I had the conversation about uh i believe it was with you guys where didn't we it was james white uh buy or sell or, or we we pinned him up up against another guy and we had to choose uh which guy we would rather have and i couldn't have said it any better than you did with uh uh jared stidham now at jared excuse me stidham as the quarterback in new england and it's going to be uh check down charlie hopefully James White turns into his safety blanket and he can rely on him. And we know uh, Sony Michelle should be okay after uh, I believe he had foot surgery. He'll be fine. Rex Burkhead is still there, but I'm not, and I hope nobody else, I'm not drafting James White to be uh, an RB2, RB3, even RB4. I'm drafting him for those PPR points, receptions, yardage, and whatnot. And I have a, a laundry list, actually a, a whole notebook full of uh, this coming season's projections. And I'm just waiting, I'm picking my spots when I want to uh, post it or publish it. So just a little peek behind the curtain. As it stands right now, 
I have James White for about uh, 65, 66 receptions, about uh, 480 yards. Actually, I would say let's do like 430, 440 yards on his receptions and about four total uh, reception touchdowns, not uh, uh, rushing touchdowns. So he's a great buy at his price. And I think you would do well if you had him in your flex spot week to week. And we all know in a flex spot, you, can, that's, it's a, you have flexibility with it and you can pick and choose what weeks you want to play him. And hopefully after the first few games of the 2020 season, we'll get to see the inner workings of the Patriots backfield and how they plan on using him. And it'll make you a little bit more comfortable putting him, putting James White in your flex spot uh, more long-term. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, we're not entirely sure how that backfield is going to look this season. And with, with the Bill Belichick backfield, are we ever sure how it looks from, from a week-to-week basis? But certainly we'll be able to have a look at James White's usage for the first few weeks. And for an eighth-round pick, it is well worth a gamble if he, can, uh, if he can be the 2018 James White that finishes as running back 18. And like you say, it's, it's almost unfair to call him the running back 18 because as soon as you hear the word running back, you imagine you're your ground and pound kind of guy. But that's the mm-hmm. position that he plays and that's the position that we're going to play him. And uh, he is he's good value there. And it's all in, if I may real quick, and it's all in the way uh, you draft, let's say. So... I've said it uh, a few times. It's actually been in my content before where your first, you know, first five, maybe even six picks. So round one through six have to be uh, home run picks, home run hits, a lot of safety there, a lot of things of that nature. And then once you get seventh, eighth round plus, what do you decide to do as an owner? Or do you want nothing but high upside guys? Do you want guys with, uh, um, low floors and you know what to expect from them how are you going to draft are you going to play it safe or are you going to get a little wild with how you pick and to me drafting James White as you said in the eighth round there's a there's a safety that comes with that pick but there's also a lot of upside with that pick as well so he's kind of a like a hybrid as far as you know your your draft plan or your draft strategy is concerned so who have you got as your second choice in the ADP Buyers gold. I have Miami Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker. And before I get into it, I'll just give you some some well-known stats. You can go to any website and find them out. So I'm not telling you nothing that you don't know, but uh, Parker had a breakout year last season. He had 72 receptions on 128 targets for 1,202 yards. Uh, it's about 16.7 yards per reception which is fantastic and he scored uh nine touchdowns so if you look at what's going on this season especially on social media there's been little to nothing going on as you know because of the the pandemic suspension of of professional sports but you get there's been a list of guys that have been uh they've often been mentioned for sleepers or breakout guys or things like that and some of these guys really take off on that and in turn, they don't become a sleeper anymore because everybody's on them. De- Devontae Parker is one of those guys. I would say a month or so ago, maybe right after the, the NFL draft, everybody was high on Parker for the fact that I just said he had a breakout. He was seeing like 10, 11 targets a game last season, and he made good on those targets and what he did last season. So when you look at the upcoming 2020 season, uh, Parker is about 73, 74 uh, 
overall his ADP, which makes him the 31st ranked overall wide receiver. Like I said, he had a ton of targets, uh, 72 receptions, which was nice. And now Miami has drafted Tua, Tua Tagovailoa from um, Alabama. So you have Tua, Jordan Howard, Matt Brida, and Mike Gizlecki at uh, tight end. So there's a lot of moving parts in that offense, and I don't think it's a situation where people say, air quotes, too many mouths to feed. Parker is going to get his, and I don't think he's going to think twice about it. And I, I firmly believe that he's going to um, back up what he did last season, and he's, be, he's going to become that wide receiver two on your fantasy team that you can count on week to week. Uh, I don't want to get crazy and say matchup proof because I don't, you know, only certain guys like McCaffrey or even Pat Mahomes, those guys are matchup proof, but those are special kind of players. So I don't want to get wild and say Devontae Parker is matchup proof, but in a way he was last season seeing garnering so many targets. So it, Miami, that's all they had on their roster basically was him at wide receiver. Let's be honest. So they were just hammering him and peppering him with targets. So at uh, seven, let's, let's just round up and call it 74th overall. Uh, he's a, he's a buy for me and I believe he's a, a steal and he will, and he should creep up into the top 20 at wide receiver in 2020. Well, I've, I've just looked now and he finished in PPR leagues as the wide receiver 11 last year. And in standard scoring leagues, he finished as a wide receiver six. And that is incredible. And I think a lot of the problem with Devontae Parker is he's been that player where we've said every single year since he was drafted in the first round of the 2015 draft, this is his year, this is his year, this is his year. And suddenly we've had his year. And people, it's, it's gone completely under the radar. People just have thought that they've, they've completely ignored it for, for some reason. So do you, do you think that Tua will be the starting quarterback for, for Miami this year? I do. And uh, that's no, no disrespect or, or no slight to uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a, he's a, a good man. Um, if you haven't noticed by now, anybody listening or even you here with me, David, I'm, I'm, I'm high on uh, good character guys. I just think they, you know, good men, good people in their community. It translates to success on the field because yeah. they're not, uh, they're not jerks. You know, they don't uh, take away, they don't take away attention from other people to, uh, you know, hype themselves up and they're not all, all egomaniacs. So um, that's my long way of saying, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been a, Correct me if I'm wrong, David. He's been a fantasy staple for a few seasons now. A guy that goes undrafted. You pick him up off waivers, and he has a stretch of games where he throws, you know, three touchdowns in a game for back-to-back -back weeks. And after a stretch run of like four or five games, you know, he's thrown 13, 14 touchdowns off the waiver wire or for a dollar if you're playing in, in fab leagues. But I do um, firmly believe he will relinquish the starting role in Miami. Tua was the, uh, the number three overall pick in the draft. Miami needs, uh, they're one of those organizations that needs um, all that hype that surrounds uh, who they start and who they play for, you know, season ticket sales, TV deals. They're, you know, they strike me as one of the teams that's, that's what they're kind of about, uh, trying to be flashy and trying to get uh, big name guys you know, maybe, and again, I'm just riffing off the top of my head, but, and it's only my opinion, but that's how I think about 
things, especially when it comes to Miami. So I believe he's not the starting quarterback. The city's going to freak out. It's going to be bad press, although they say uh, any sort of press is good press, yeah. something like that. But, uh, again, another long-winded way, sorry, David, of me telling you that uh, Tua will be the starting quarterback uh, to open the 2020 season for Miami. Yeah, and he's going to need that receiver that he can really trust and build that chemistry with to establish himself as that NFL quarterback. And Devontae Parker is in that prime position to do that. We've obviously got Preston Williams in the in the lineup, who quite a few people have said on Twitter is is their ADP buyer's gold candidate for this segment, which is a little bit of a spoiler for, for later on in the show. But Devontae Parker, he certainly had a stellar year last year. And I think there's no reason why he can't emulate that again this year. And I, real quick, not, it's not part of my, you know, not part of our content today, but uh, just brought up Miami. It's long been said that a good tight end can be a, a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback's safe, safety blanket. So look no further than Mike Gasicki. I like what he can do this season. I, I see at least 50, 60 receptions out of him this season. Uh, Mike. Devontae Parker and Tua makes for a good combo. You got Jordan Howard there now and even uh, Matt Breida, Breida, who I wasn't never been high on, but um, it's not a bad choice, especially for, you know, how dirt cheap he would be. Even Jordan Howard's not crazy. Big things happening in Miami this year. So my second pick for the segment is Alan Robinson. And for those that listen to the show will know how high I am on Alan Robinson at the moment. His ADP is creeping up week on week, so your time to be getting him at his uh, lowest price is quickly closing. But he had the most low-key, under-the-radar, 1,100-yard, seven-touchdown season last year, and that was with Mitch Trubisky throwing in the ball. And I know that we mentioned on the pod a couple of weeks ago with, with Tim that what was it more of achievement to do? Have a um, have a thousand yard season with, with Mitch Trubisky or a thousand yard season with Blake Bortles? And I'm here in the camp that Nick Foles will will be the starting quarterback for Chicago this year. I'm a firm believer of that with the, the amount of ex-Philadelphia coaching staff they've got there. I believe that Foles is the far superior quarterback to Trubisky and that can only help Alan Robinson's draft stock headed into, headed into the year. Alan Robinson finished as the, the wide receiver 11 on the year last year. He's, he's currently being drafted in the, the fourth round. There's no reason why he can't do that again. And although he's not a player that you feel comfortable taking with in the second round, that's the, that's the kind of production that he's going to give you. So in the fourth round, that's an absolute bargain for you right there. What do you think, Chris? No, it, it's a good call. And when we get to the <clears throat> hate the, don't want to fast forward, but I get so hyped up and excited for these, you know, these segments and chatting it. Um, I'll just give you a quick, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a quick promo or a teaser. I have a, another Chicago Bears um, offensive player that is an honorable mention uh, for ADP steals. And a lot of who I chose has to do with what you just said, David, about uh, Allen Robinson. So my uh, moving on, my third ADP steal is it's going to be no secret since I'm here in Detroit. Uh, it's Marvin Jones Jr. And the reason I say that is because he is a, he's such a good complimentary real life piece to Kenny Galladay and to Matthew Stafford there in Detroit. And he, last season, his, uh, the season was cut short for him. 
but that still didn't stop him from putting up, uh, I believe, 779 yards. And he still had he had nine touchdowns in only 11 games last season. And uh, not to be that homer guy, because I've said it once, I've said it once, I've said it a million guys times. If I start uh, making only homer calls, then my my opinions and what I say goes out the window. If, you know, if you're too much of a homer, but. I floated Marvin Jones Jr. out on social media for, you know, ADP uh, steals a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, and it's picked up some steam and it's got, uh, you know, a lot of traction. So I know I'm not way off base here when I say Marvin Jones is a, is a good deal. He's, he's about the 40th overall wide receiver and about 94, 95th overall is his ADP. Um, he, again, he makes for a fantastic wide receiver three on your team, maybe even a wide receiver two, and he's got a ton of upside given you know his quarterback in Detroit. And now it only excites me even more so with the addition of DeAndre Swift. Hopefully that lights a, a, a fire under on Johnson's ass, and it can be like a this is my my perfect world bubble, Detroit Lions bubble, <laughs> you know that I'm living <laughs> yeah. under. That Swift and on, you know turn into like some fantastic one-two punch and then you got uh tj hawkinson in two tight end sets and that would leave a ton of room to roam for both kenny and marvin jones jr and i think marvin can uh how do i say this i think he can benefit the most we know where kenny g is going in drafts we know how highly you know all of us think about kenny g and that leaves marvin jones not being discussed you know being being drafted later on than he should which is uh a steal and there there's it's just there's they say value a lot this guy's a value where he's at and blah, blah, blah. but i i love marvin jones this year and i could see a season where uh him and kenny maybe go over a thousand yards i don't have marvin over a thousand yards in my seasonal projection but let's be honest that's the kind of upside marvin jones would have so uh your 40th overall wide receiver, 95th uh, overall draft choice, Marvin Jones Jr. is is a steal. And I, I would not uh, put anybody down or I wouldn't blame anybody if they drafted Marvin as their wide receiver three this season. Yeah, and it's, it's not somebody that I've put too much thought into in this preseason because he is that far under the radar. But he's the clear wide receiver two in Detroit. I'm not sure I could even name you the the third wide receiver that would be on the the depth chart there but we dave moore on the podcast mentioned a few weeks ago how we think we're going to have a massive season for for tj hawkinson like you say we've you've drafted deandre swift in the in the second round of the draft this year so there's there's big things happening i think unfortunately for for matt stafford last year he his, his season got cut short but Bit of a spoiler alert for later. He is my he is one of my honourable mentions. He was he was on pace to be quarterback four with with regards to his points per game. So if he can if he can bring that form back into the twenty twenty season with the weapons that he's got around him, then I think Detroit that offense will be a force to be reckoned with. And Marvin Jones as the clear wide receiver too in that offense, like you say, will be an absolute bargain with his ADP where it currently is at. And real quick, just to touch on that uh i can't tell you how many times every year this time of the year in in june or july the whole city of detroit is buzzing as you know and even me uh, this is going to be their year and then they win 
four or five games. So uh, <laughs> I need to I need to slow my roll here. I need to calm down because at this point in my life, uh, I, I need to start seeing it from the Lions instead of just you know talking you know hopefully kind of stories, fairy well, tales. Yeah, here's hoping, and that that leads me on nicely to to my first honourable mention, which is Matt Stafford, who I've got has currently been drafted in the tenth round of drafts. Which I cannot believe, that's the quarterback 13 off the boards. And like I just mentioned, he was on pace to be the quarterback four last year with 21.45 points per game. That offense has only got stronger this year. Um, I can't see that that he's not going to have another fantastic season and that if he stays healthy for the full campaign, that he's going to be a top five quarterback. Uh, we've got Patrick Mahomes, who I'm not doubting is going to be a top quarterback this season. But to get him currently... You're looking at 206 in your draft, which is such a high price to pay when you're going to get somebody with not that much of a drop off in Matt Stafford eight rounds later. And we've also got Tom Brady being drafted currently at 707, which I just don't think he's going to get close to Stafford in production wise. Yet he's, he's going three rounds earlier. So there's, there's a lot of odd choices there at quarterback. And I think name comes into it. A lot of the time, but for me, Matt Stafford is is your absolute bargain in drafts, and I've I've already got quite a few shares of him in drafts that I've done so far this season, um, including the the full ten yards uh, dynasty startup that we're currently doing at the moment. I've I've managed to get Matt Stafford there, so get him where you can because he's going to give you such good value at the at the ADP of of ten o two. Who am I to argue there? Uh, we <laughs> we all know. We all know where my uh, where my loyalties lie, so uh, I'm not going to fault you for that. And he's been one of my Stafford's been one of the guys that I've talked about. Um, if you play that waiting uh, waiting to draft a quarterback role, you know, if you um, a lot of people share the same the same ideal when drafting if for any position, but as we're talking about quarterback, if I don't get those those top three or four guys then I'll just wait you know and Stafford you can get in in the 10th 11th round uh, along the likes of Tom Brady or even uh, Jared Golf, Jimmy G in San Francisco too so of the you know Tom Brady Golf, Jimmy or Matthew Stafford I'm taking Stafford all day and twice on Sunday in that scenario so um, moving on to one of my honorable mentions and I, I teased a little bit about this. I have Chicago bears running back Tariq Cohen here. Um, he's his ADP is an, it's insane. It's almost non-existent. He's go, he's being drafted. His ADP is about 155.7 overall, which makes him about the 50, 55 or 56 overall running back. And if you look at that Chicago bears offense, you know, another NFC North team that I, uh, I favor the NFC North, but, you know, David Montgomery is there, Allen Robinson, as you said, Anthony Miller is there. And then what are we going to get at quarterback this year? Is it going to be Mitch or is it going to be Foles? I don't think for the sake of Tariq Cohen, I don't really think it matters who the quarterback is. Yeah. Now that's not always the case with your, with your stud wide receiver run, or excuse me, with your stud wide receiver one. Well, who's going to be the guy? Can, can, the, can the second string quarterback get, get my guy the ball? It doesn't matter with Tariq Cohen. Uh, he's had 70 plus receptions uh, his last two seasons. Um, he's only going to get about, uh, if I had to 
guess off the top of my head. He's, he's going to get about 70, 75 to 80 carries, and, and that's on the high end. But with the receptions that he's going to get, and I have him for about 75 to 80 receptions, and don't tell me I'm crazy because uh, he can do that. He's had, uh, seven, he had 79 last season, 71 the season before, so you can pretty much pencil him in for 70 receptions. And he's a little guy, low to the ground. He's quick. He can take the ball up the sideline or, or whoop, cut right up the middle, and he's in the end zone. So Tariq Cohen at his, uh, at his uh, price tag, 155 overall, it's, it's a no-brainer. And, again, another guy I'm not drafting as my, my running back too, but he makes for a, an awesome uh, flex spot, especially, again, where you're drafting him. No brainer, steal, enter, 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 draft, draft, draft. Very similar conversation that we were having to, to James White earlier on. And you'd be drafting him for the same reason, for the same for the same kind of play in your flex. And for PPR leagues, there's absolutely no reason why you would not be taking Tariq Cohen a few rounds earlier than his than his current ADP. So my Second honourable mention for the podcast, and it wouldn't be a full 10 yards fantasy podcast without mentioning his name, is, of course, Blake Jarwin. Now, I could not find him on the fantasy football calculator because he's been drafted that low. So I had to go over to UDK to to have a look there. And I found him at 14.11, which is incredible. So obviously, we have lost Jason Witten in Dallas this year at the tight end position. Now, Blake Jarwin finished as the tight end 19 last year, which isn't going to set the world on fire. However, if you combine the production of Blake Jarwin and Jason Witten from last year, you would see him finish as the tight end five. And if you were to take just 80% of that production, you would see him finish as the tight end eight on the season last year. So considering that he is being drafted currently as the tight end 19, and he's got upside of between tight end five and tight end eight stop sleeping on Blake Jarwin and get Blake drafted as soon as you can because he's going to be a top 10 tight end this year for, for the value that you're getting you can get plenty of other studs at wide receiver and running back before you get to the tight end position at Blake Jarwin I, I like that call I'm uh there's been a lot of talk on social media recently about how important the tight end position is when it comes to fantasy and um, drafting multiple tight ends to, to keep roster rostered on your team all season. And I, again, it's personal preference. I don't think it's a right or wrong answer. Might be a conversation with us, David, another place, another time. But I, I've always, since day one, I've always only drafted one tight end. I've streamed the position before. So if I were to draft Blake Jarwin, I would, um, I would hold him, you know, I would draft him for nothing. As you said, he's not even listed on ADP uh, sites like fantasy football calculator because he's off the board, maybe even get him uh, for a dollar after your draft off the waiver wire. So with, with a guy like Blake Jarwin, I would play, pay close attention to him and how they use him just in case I have to, uh, you know, swap him out for another tight end, but, but it's a good move. I mean, you, you have, you have nothing to lose. No, absolutely nothing to lose. And, of course, if you're paying the, the premium of second, third round for your Kittles and your Kelseys, even even Zach Ertz has seen a little bit of a drop-off of late. So 
there's only going to be a few tight ends where you're guaranteed that production, that you're guaranteed the, the thousand yard seasons. But Blake Jarwin for me is one of those guys that is the best of those those low guys that are being drafted in the, the back ends, and he is in the best position to 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 stand out this season. Um, we we say it every week. Dallas they they have got a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. They've got the three star wide receivers. They've got Ezekiel Elliott out there. So how much love will the tight end position get? Like you mentioned, Chris, it's, it's one of those where we can keep an eye on the position for the first few weeks of the season, and we're going to have absolutely no problems in, in dropping somebody if we've drafted them in the 14th round. Whereas if all of a sudden Kittle, San Francisco say, right, he's going to purely be that blocking tight end this year, which I can't imagine for a second that they would, but you would have such a hard time dropping somebody that you've drafted in the second round if San Francisco were going to, were going to, make, that, were going to make that call. Absolutely. Um, moving on, my second honorable mention, I'm, I'm going to mention two guys, but I'm going to touch on each one briefly. Uh, two wide receivers, they both share the exact same ADP as it stands right now, 156, 157, seventh overall. Um, Alan Lazard in Green Bay, their wide receiver, and then rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Now, both of these guys, when you look at it, there's a case that he might already be, Justin Jefferson might already be the wide receiver two on Minnesota before, you know, there's any OTAs or any practice with, with Diggs being gone, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson at that price tag. It's a no brainer rookie drafts. You're going to have to pay a bigger premium, obviously, but in dynasty startups, um, I don't see it being a problem, you know, waiting and, and, and getting him for nothing. But when it comes to Alan Lazard, again, the same ADP, 156, 157, that makes him the, uh, like the 66th overall wide receiver. And to be, again, to be on the, the more ambitious side, I have him down for about 50 receptions. Again, these are all bottom of the barrel numbers, uh, no decimal points, just kind of looking um, at other sites and my own personal opinion. So just, everything's a round number. I have, I have Alan Lazard for about 50 receptions, 600 yards, and hopefully about four touchdowns. And if you look at both of these guys, specifically Lazard, you have a handful of, of both kickers and uh, DSTs being drafted well before these guys. So like uh, Justin Tucker in Baltimore, being drafted first, Baltimore's DST, Chicago, Pittsburgh, DST, all being drafted over these guys. And if you're like me, I wait till my last two picks, kicker and uh, defense. So I see no problem drafting Al Lazard or even Justin Jefferson, you know, at 156, 157th overall, given what we think their production will be. So in Green Bay, you have Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. They didn't draft a wide receiver. We've mentioned that before, kind of uh, hammering that home with that, but it makes sense. Alan Lazard is primed to be wide receiver two in Green Bay, and I firmly believe he will be. We can revisit the subject this time next year. And then we all know what Justin Jefferson's potential can be in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins as the, as the quarterback. Hopefully Cook is back at uh, running back, Thielen, uh, breakout candidate and Herb Smith Jr. at tight end. So things should be 
and they are coming up roses for both Lazard and Justin Jefferson. And again, for the sake of the ar argument in the article, at their price, it's so cheap, what's it going to harm? People are going to draft a kicker and a defense before them, so that tells me that there is little to no risk with drafting these guys. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, I think you're, you're spot on there with that one. We obviously lost Stefan Diggs in Minnesota to the Buffalo Bills, so there is that target share available there. And like you mentioned, I think he does go in straight away as the, the wide receiver too in the offense. My only concern with, with Alan Lazard is the fact that you've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you've got Geronimo Allison, Equinemius St. Brown, Devin Funchess, Jake Kumaro. You've got so many guys that could be that number two receiver there this year. And I think they've bought, brought Devin Funchess in specifically for a reason. And I think Green Bay will try and get him to be the the, the wide receiver two there this year. So I'd, I'd be taking certainly uh, Jefferson over Lazard at, at that ADP. But like you said, at, at that kind of position in your draft, um, it's worth a gamble and you're not going to have any problems in, in dropping them after a couple of weeks if it doesn't pay off. But at the same time, if it, if it does pay off for you, then you're going to get absolutely exceptional value at the position. Absolutely. And uh, real quick to touch on what you said, uh, the only player that freaks me out that could uh, eat into what Lazard is doing is Funchess. Uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, be surprised if he catches 20 balls this season, and, and, and that's a stretch. So uh, Funchess is the only guy I'm worried about as far as owning and drafting Lazard hoping he can blossom into a wide receiver too. But well said, it's something that uh, you need to keep your, keep your eye on if you're, all, uh, if you're all excited and crazy about Alan Lazard and Green Bay. So we'll move over to Twitter. We've had some absolutely great responses from you guys up there as to who you believe your steals are in the draft. So at this point, we will just run through a few just to see who's out there and any names that are cropping up multiple times. First up, we have got at FFA underscore Mark with a C. And he says Duke Johnson at an ADP of 1301 is a steal here. Obviously, they have brought in David Johnson, as we mentioned earlier in the draft there in Houston. But David Johnson wasn't the same player last year as he has been in the previous years before. And Duke Johnson is primed to be that third down receiving back that he has always been. And similar to the to the James Whites and the Tariq Cohens that we've mentioned previously in the draft. So how would you feel, Chris, about drafting Duke Johnson in a similar kind of position to Tariq Cohen and James White? Well, he would be, if I had to rank him, it would be White, Cohen, and then uh, Duke Johnson. I see Duke Johnson being just like those guys as far as production is concerned. Not as much as them, but what I'm getting at is his M.O., is more reception yardage and receptions in PPR leagues than it's going to be for, you know, carries and rushing yards. So uh, to be honest with you, I've, I've never owned Duke Johnson once in my life and all the teams that I've had, I've never owned him. And it's not for lack of not liking him. I just, it's just never happened. And uh, so uh, I, I can't really speak to how well that I like Duke Johnson or how much I like to use him because again in full transparency I've never owned him but at his ADP uh, he makes for a bye week fill-in or in the right matchup let's say 
and uh, he caught 44 balls last year for 110 yards and three touchdowns. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up the same exact stat line this season, 44, 45 catches for 400 yards and uh, two, three touchdowns. So um, it's not a, it's a good move. It's not in any way uh, horrible or detrimental to your fantasy team. Yeah, definitely. Especially in those deeper leagues. So next up, we've got at FF underscore AW Woodruff 33. And they've gone three selections here. They've gone uh, Terry McLaurin over in Washington, Jarrett Stidham in New England, and Zach Moss there in Buffalo. So three players who are being drafted at the end of the fifth round, undrafted in a lot of leagues is Stidham and Zach Moss is going in the 10th round, respectively. So I think Terry McLaurin here, he's a great shout in the back end of the fifth round. He was on pace for a thousand yards and eight touchdowns there. He is pretty much your only receiving option in Washington. And I think he's, he's not going to be a, a 1500, 10, 12 touchdown guy, but certainly at that value there, I think he's a, he's a great pick. What, what do you say, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Again, given the three guys, uh, scary, Terry, Jarrett, uh, big shoes to fill in Tampa or excuse me in um, New England for Tom Brady and then uh, Zach Moss uh, drafted by the Bills if I had to rank him it'd be scary Terry uh, Jarrett in uh, New England and then Zach Moss but to answer your question Terry in Washington it's a it's just a funny not a funny situation but it's one that as the season progresses much like last season it makes you want to uh, rip your hair out because Mm -hmm. the quarterback play was less than less than stellar last season uh Haskins Dwayne Haskins being a rookie there but you said it best uh Terry can be the guy that gets you you know just over a thousand yards maybe 1100 every season uh six seven eight touchdowns as a ceiling and that's fantastic if you could if you could tell me that a guy that I'm drafting at that spot would uh, would guarantee me uh a thousand yards and six touchdowns every season, then, then it's a no brainer, uh, kind of pick. And, um, I know Andrew Woodruff, he's the guy who, that, that's the Twitter handle that you sent. Uh, he's a good dude, reputable guy, always willing to, uh, lend an ear or advice if he can. So I appreciate his question. Yeah. And Jared said, I was just looking at the, the average points per game for last year, as I do with, with everybody. And obviously he only came in to, to take the, the kneel downs last year. Only Blake Bortles finished with, with less fantasy points than, than Jared Stidham at the quarter point, uh, quarterback so position had, last year. So, so. <laughs> so I'm, look, I'm in front of me now, just on a whim, I looked up Stidham and his, what he did last year, and he, had, uh, neg- he finished with negative 1.64 points last season. So you're telling me Blake Bortles had more than negative 0.6 points last season? <laughs> yeah, he, Blake Bortles came in just that few more times uh, to kneel down for Jared Goff than... Uh, than Stidham did for, for Tom Brady. So uh, I thought that was quite a nice little little point there that we are recommending that you draft somebody that finished on negative fantasy points. But obviously, circumstances have changed drastically there in New England. So next up, we've got at Coach Tillman, and they have recommended Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry, Will Disley, and Tariq Cohen, as you have already alluded to on this podcast. So Robert Woods is going 408. Jarvis Landry, 702, and Disley, this surprises me, is currently undrafted on Fantasy Football Calculator. 
So last year, he was a monster in Seattle for the games that he played. He was on pace for a top seven finish there. So to see him going undrafted this year really does surprise me. And at the price that you can get him for for back end of the drafts or maybe even pick him up first couple of weeks of the waiver wire, I think he is, a, yeah, he is a, he is a must, must have, especially in the deeper leagues, just in case. He's one of those guys, again, just in case, certainly the production that he put up last year, if he can get that kind of production at the price that you would pay for him, then, then it's a no-brainer. Absolutely, and I think we uh, maybe in the future we can do a, a rankum show because I'm having a lot of fun uh, ranking these guys or saying the order in which I choose them, and it's just a, a fun thing. So Robert Woods, Landry, or Disley, uh, no surprise it would be Woods, Landry, and then uh, Disley. And Robert Woods is another guy who went from nobody's talking about him, right? And, again, this is all on, you know, social media, not, not in my personal life. But uh, Robert Woods has picked up a lot of steam recently just for the fact that he's uh, in L.A. You got Coop, Cooper Cup, and Goff there. Uh, Woods, nobody's – he's just a ho-hum kind of guy. And he's, a, he's he can, it's going to wind up putting up 1,000 yards uh, – 80 receptions, 1,100 yards, not a ton of touchdowns, which is, which is a bummer, especially for fantasy purposes. But he could still give you, depending on the scoring, uh, 200 fantasy points at the end of the season, which at his ADP is, is not, a bad, it's not a bad look. And when you move on to Jarvis Landry in Cleveland, another guy nobody, nobody talks about because you have uh, OBJ there, who I cannot stand, again, character – character issues always has to be in the news with his dangly cross earrings and and whatnot but um Landry can catch 75 balls for let's say just rounded up to a thousand yards and I I do believe that Landry will score more touchdowns than Robert Woods this season Robert Woods will have the overall uh higher score of fantasy points you know let's say 220 to you know 200 even 210 for Landry but uh Landry will have uh, more touchdowns, like I said, than Woods. And then when you move on to Will Disley, look at his numbers last season. He he only had 23 receptions, 262 yards, and four touchdowns, which was a grand total of, let's say, 75. Just doing the math real quick on the spot here in the right format, about 75-ish fantasy points. And I like Disley, and that's only because of where he's being drafted. If he was – you know, on uh, like if he was being drafted as a as a top ten tight end or even a top fifteen tight end, I would want nothing to do with him. But him being uh, undrafted and being able to be added off waivers for a dollar or for no no fab money, then I would do that in a heartbeat. But if I was in that position where Will Disley was my supposed starting tight end week to week, then I would probably think about streaming tight ends because he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't offer that much upside personally to me each week. I don't see a situation where he gets more than 20, 25 receptions this season. Maybe I'm uh, being rude or I'm dogging him out, but I, I just don't see him being much of a factor for your tight end, uh, for, you know, for your team at tight end. Be lucky if he gets over 300 yards and even that might be pushing it and it's going to get, you know, three, maybe four touchdowns. Uh, this season so he just uh, strikes streaming tight end to me 
and at his overall draft position, I might look elsewhere, but I'm not going to fault anybody if they're going to draft him because when you do draft, I know in certain platforms you have to draft every position before you know they let you move on or finish your draft. So um, not crazy about him, but I'm, I'm basically, I guess I'm indifferent to Will Disley. It doesn't, uh, doesn't do anything for me one way or another. Okay, so moving on, we have got at the point after FF. And here, yeah. this is a, a nice little one for you to be able to rank, Chris. We've got Jameson Crowder, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Gardner Minshew, and as you've already mentioned, Tariq Cohen. So rank me those, those first four, please. So that's Crowder, Tate, Shepard, and Minshew. Well, I know the point after, guys. His name's Julian. Uh, he's a real good guy. little quick backstory while I trick of the trade. <laughs> I'm stalling and talking about other things <laughs> while I can just briefly take in the, uh, the stats of, of every guy mentioned. So uh, the point after, good dudes, uh, guy who heads the, the site and the Twitter handle. His name is Julian, one of the first guys that, um, that showed me love and helped out and, you know, and supported what I was doing and in turn I give it right back to him so uh shout out to Julian he didn't send me the this question ahead of time I wished he would because it's a lot to take in but if I had to rank them I would go uh Sterling Shepard first followed by um Jameson Crowder and then Tate third um I'm going to I'll talk I could talk about Minshew real briefly um, at the end, but you're giving me three receivers, a quarterback yeah, yeah. and a running back and Cohen who we already touched on. So it's kind of unfair to rank uh, three wide receivers and then a, um, you know, a yeah, uh, quarterback because it, you know, so given the three, as I said, uh, Shepard, do I have this down Shepard Crowder and then Tate, um, Briefly, I, I just caught wind of what Jamison Crowder had done last season with his, uh, with his target shares and his receptions. Uh, Crowder was targeted 115 times last season. He caught 75 of those for or excuse me, 825 yards and five touchdowns, or excuse me, six touchdowns. So that, that's a – not to sound like I don't have anything to say, but that's, that's, a, that's a good uh, – that those are good numbers for a wide receiver that nobody's ever thinking about, especially in New York for the jets. And then if you look over to the, you know, to the other side of the field, they, you know, the giants and the jets share the same uh, field, but you have uh, Sterling Shepard and then golden Tate. I've always been a huge golden Tate guy played here in Detroit. He's a PPR monster. Uh, I'm just a little bit higher on Shepard this year. And I think it just goes for the fact that, um, I don't want to say changing of the guard because Tate was never that big of a stud anyways. He was never a, a wide receiver one, but uh, I like what Shepard can put on, put together this season. Uh, I have him for about 75, 80 receptions this year. And that's being a little ambitious. And with Tate, I have him for about 60, 65 receptions this year. Um, Tate, about five or six touchdowns. Shepard, about seven touchdowns. So I would prefer uh, Shepard over Tate. Um, Tate has always been the model of consistency, let's say, never one to sit out for, you know, injuries or off the field issues. Same thing with Shepard, aside from the fact Shepard ha has had some soft tissue injuries, if I'm not mistaken, 
uh, had a hip injury that uh, had him out last season, but I made a trade and I, I received Sterling Shepard in a 14 team IDP dynasty. And I, I believe I traded away the f- a fourth or fifth uh, draft choice for next season. And he makes for a nice uh, bi-week fill-in or flex spot fill-in. And it all has to, it all comes down to if you got two New York guys, Tate and Shepard, how the quarterback play is going to be. And you have Daniel Jones in there, uh, a sophomore. He's going to be a sophomore this season. And I'm expecting big things out of Daniel Jones this season. And anytime you have a stud running back such as Saquon Barkley as your running back and a young up-and-coming quarterback in Daniel Jones, then I would take a flyer on Shepard or Tate. Again, Shepard being the guy I would place more stock on there. So um, hopefully you guys are starting to hear and enjoy the sound of my own voice here as I'm chatting about uh, 75 guys all at once. And then if you go to Jacksonville and you look at what Garter Minshew did last season, he had 3,200 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, not a lot of interceptions, but they they were constantly pulling him out of the lineup and putting him back in, and that's not fair to him. That's not conducive to big – you know, big numbers, but I see a scenario um, looking at my own projections, which are not out for public consumption yet. I have Minshew doing almost the same thing as he did last season, this season, probably about more, more passing yards, about 3,700 yards, about 19 to 20 touchdowns, and uh, maybe a rushing touchdown or two. So almost if you take away his passing yards from last season, and you put it into rushing yards or rushing touchdowns, and if you're just mixing them up, putting them in a pot, he's going to come out on the other end with about the same amount of overall fantasy points as he did last season. Yeah, and he's he's currently the QB 25. You're getting him in the 14th round. I I can't see that we're going to get a massive improvement on the stats from last year, like, like you've already mentioned. And in Jacksonville, who knows what is going on in that franchise? We've, we've already got rumours that they are going to be tanking the season in, in order to pick up Trevor Lawrence. So maybe Gardner Minshew will be playing with a chip on his shoulder this year. He was he was undrafted coming out of the draft. Um, he he had a much better season than than anyone anticipated. So yeah, he's he's got absolutely nothing to lose in Jacksonville this year. If if he if he maintains the same, then he's he's done absolutely fine for an undrafted guy that is playing on what's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. However, if he if he steps up and adds, adds a bit more to that stat line, then even if Jacksonville do go out and and get Trevor Lawrence, then he's then he's in line for for another job somewhere else. So I think at that at that part of the draft, he's he's going to be someone that you, that you can pick up. I'm not going to rely on him as my as my quarterback one week in week out, but certainly for for streaming options or for fulfilling in bye weeks, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be going to be a great addition. To um, to appease all the Superflex fans, we know that Superflex has absolutely exploded. And basically a Superflex, for those of you do, that don't know, it's basically a two-quarterback league, right? So I could see a real, realistic situation in a Superflex setting where, you know, you draft Deshaun Watson as your number one overall quarterback and then a situation where you're able to grab Sam Darnold and or Daniel Jones to uh, plug and play both of those guys as your quarterback two or your super flex spot and then you come back and you draft Minshew 
as your team's quarterback four, let's say, again, only for super flex leagues. I, I wouldn't roster four quarterbacks in just a standard scoring kind of on a, kind of team. But you have Watson, D. Jones, or Sam Darnold, and then uh, Minshew is your, your, your third or fourth quarterback on your super flex roster. And that would be absolutely fine with me because then that gives you, you know, if, if he's your – your third or fourth quarterback drafted along with uh, Darnold or Daniel Jones. That just means you've, you've paid closer attention to other offensive positions like running back and wide receiver. So drafting Minshew, don't care. It's not a big deal. Uh, have at it and have fun. It's interesting. I think I'm tempted to put Gardner Minshew ahead of Sam Darnold at this point. I'm, I'm not, the highest person in the world on, on Sam Darnold. And looking at their stat lines last year, I know that um, Sam Darnold have obviously missed a few games, a couple of uh, different issues, but um, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have done that much better than, than Gardner Minshew, should he have played a full complement of games. And we've, we've got the, the rushing ability for, for Minshew that, for me, just gives, just gives him the edge over, over Sam Darnold there. So... We're talking about a, a quarterback three battle in a in a super flex league, but um, but yeah, I, I think I'm just tipping my hat towards towards Gardner Minshew there. I'm glad you mentioned that because that makes a a fantastic poll question after we're done here. And the more you look into it, my the first comment I'm just telling you everything that pops into my head. The first comment I had after you mentioned Sam Darnold was like, well. Uh, he might be in a better situation because he's got Le'Veon Bell at his running back. He's got Mims, you know, as his, uh, you know, his rookie wide receiver. He's got Crowder there. But then on the other side, you have Minshew as the quarterback. You have, um, uh, what's his name, Leonard Fournette as his running back. And he's got a, a few other uh, wide receiver options that are just the same, if not better, than what Darnold has uh, in New York for the Jets. So that, that's going to be a fantastic poll question uh, when we're done here. And I can't wait to see uh, how it pans out. And it uh, depends on how I'll, I'll have to word it in a, in a good way where I'll, maybe I'll, you know, Sam Darnold versus Minshew. And then in the comment section, I'll give their, the, the comparative kind of, you know, Le'Veon Bell versus Leonard Fournette, Mims versus, you know, uh, DJ Shark. And uh, we'll go from there. Has all the makings of a good poll. So thank you, David. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting one. So moving on, we've got at Sideline Squib. They have suggested Jordan Howard. We've, we've already mentioned on the, him on this podcast. But for me, somebody that we're getting in the eighth round is going to be a fantastic choice there down in Miami. Uh -huh. Mark, Mark Ingram in redraft leagues. So everyone in Baltimore, well, everyone is assuming in Baltimore – Dobbins is going to come in and take all of the work immediately, whereas Mark Ingram last year was was a fantastic player, although he is now the, the wrong side of 30 for your for your running backs. And also Preston Williams in Dynasty Leagues, another another member of that Miami Miami team who had a great start to the season last year before unfortunately it was cut short due to due to injury. And interestingly, Preston Williams was somebody we spoke about on the podcast last week as a suggestion for somebody that we don't touch at their, their current ADP. So people seem to be very much on either side of the fence with Preston Williams at the moment. How, what are your feelings on him, Chris? 
I would rank them in the opposite order in which you read them out. So I would go Preston, Preston Williams, Mark Ingram second, and then Jordan Howard here uh, third. Now, if, if you look into it a little bit more, uh, Preston Williams and Mark Ingram in terms of fantasy points um, for, you know, their expected fantasy points heading into this season, they're not far apart. But if you look at their fantasy points comparison from last season, they couldn't be further apart, right, if that makes sense. Uh, the more that I think about this, again, another guy, Mark Ingram being that guy, there's been little to no talk about him this season because it's just been rookie fever as far as rankings are concerned, rankings and projections are concerned. And Mark Ingram has been steady Eddie for how long now, you know, for, for quite some time, a thousand yards, uh, seven to eight touchdowns. And last season he put up a thousand yards, uh, 10 touchdowns. And I've said it before where JK Dobbins is a stud running back and he will be a stud running back quite for quite some time, but he's, I don't think Baltimore is going to hand him the keys just yet. They're in a, in a good position where they don't have to throw Dobbins to the wolves. Like, Hey, you're a rookie. You don't know anything about our offense or how to play in the NFL. We need you to lead the team in rushing and receptions and, and really carry us there. There's a lot of uh, stress relieving when it comes to him. He can come in, get uh, rotated in, let Lamar do his thing, let Hollywood Brown do their thing, Mark Ingram do his thing. And J.K. Dobbins is no doubt, and I don't think anybody's going to argue me here, he is the heir apparent running back in, in Baltimore. And when you get to Preston Williams, I'll be honest with you, David, and everybody that's listening, and thank you, Sideline Squib, for the, the question. I'm familiar with, with them and their work. Uh, we get along quite well. When it comes to Preston Williams, I don't know much about him. I know people are starting to go crazy for him. Everybody is um, anointing Preston Williams. They're, they're a top-notch uh, sleeper this year, yeah. which, again, which, again, in turn, makes him not a sleeper because everybody's talking about <laughs> talking about him but uh, a, a scenario in Miami you have two of there Jordan Howard Devonte Parker we, we touched on this opening the show so he could be a guy that maybe if he's uh, if he's in the slot you know Tua can rely on him a little bit more and he sees you know uh, 50 60 maybe even 70 receptions that might be a little you know, wild or ambitious but it's not uh, off the off the cuff but you know five or six touchdowns is realistic, but I cannot get away from, um, you know, Mark Ingram or Jordan Howard as an old school kind of guy that I am as uh, you know, you always want to draft running back early and often you want a stable of running backs. So uh, ranking them, it's an odd occurrence because ranking them, like I said, on paper, I would want Preston Williams, Mark Ingram, then Jordan Howard. Right. But, for my specific team, if I were to be drafting, I would want Mark Ingram, Jordan Howard, and then Preston Williams. Yeah. If that if that makes sense to yeah, you. Definitely. So the 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 fantasy football uh, analyst, if you can call me that, uh, I have a duty to all of you, the people, like I, like I was an elected official, <laughs> to give you to give you the you know the meat and potatoes. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. But personal opinion, it would be Mark Ingram, Jordan Howard, Preston Williams uh, in that third spot. So thank you for the question, sideline squib. 
And finally, we'll take a look at In The Zone FB. We have got Drew Locke, Denzel Mims, Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley. And there's a call in there that Denzel Mims is going to be the offensive rookie of the year from In The Zone FB. So I think four players there that, yeah, are being drafted a lot further back than, than what they should be. Todd Gurley, he is going to get RB1 work there over in Atlanta. And it is the age-old question, will his knee hold out? Is it actually healthy? But Atlanta have, have checked him out in the medical and he seems to be good to go for this season. Brandon Cooks, we've already mentioned on this podcast, as, as being the going to be the primary target for Deshaun Watson this year. Uh, Denzel Mims, we, we have just touched on him very briefly with the with the whole Sam Darnold situation, but he he looks set to be the wide receiver one there in New York. Do you think he could he could put up big numbers this year in his in his rookie season? Uh, Denzel Mims, you're talking about, correct? Denzel Mims, correct. I uh, I love Denzel Mims this season. I haven't heard again another guy. I haven't heard uh, much much ado, much talk about Mims this year. And I, I do, um, who was the, who was the person that sent the question in? In the zone FB. Oh, in the zone. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with him uh, contesting for a rookie offensive rookie of the season and call me nuts, but it's just, I've noticed over the years and especially this season, you know, you, you start to research and crunch numbers and write about guys and you're adding your own personal, you know, flavor or personal opinion in there. You can't help in a weird, odd way, uh, start to feel like you have, like you've built a relationship with, with guy one or guy two and not in a relationship as a stalker kind of way, but a relationship (laughs) where, you know, you form your own opinions and you're, you're in your own head while you're reading or writing and you have arguments with yourself in a way where, well, I like Mem- Mims. Yeah, but Sam Darnold's the quarterback. And then before you know it, you're in love with both Darnold and Mims and the the connection that they could make. And uh, that's just the way I think. I know I'm a weirdo when it comes to numbers and notes and, and stats and stuff, but I, I find that, that that's my way. You know, that's my, my process. And Drew Locke is another guy I love this season. I'm high on. Uh, I don't think I'm going to uh, – die on a hill for Drew Locke but his all his value I've seen is to be placed on the players around him if that you know if if you can get behind that not Drew Locke's talent per se which is 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 good no no knock on Drew Locke but it's all the guys around him the the double-headed monster of uh, Melvin Gordon at running back Philip Lindsay at running back uh both rookie uh wide receivers uh K.J. Hamler out of Penn State, Jerry Judy, and then people are starting to forget about Cortland Sutton. So this guy, Drew Locke, has an embarrassment of riches in Denver, and how, how is he going to decide how to use them, or how is he going to use them? And I think people are right to be excited about Denver Broncos in general, and more importantly, Drew Locke there with what he's doing. So that brings us to uh, the third or fourth guy that they mentioned with Todd Gurley. And you were right. We, we talked um, not in length about Todd Gurley the last time we got together, David, but we did mention him and the video of him on the leg press machine. And I, I am not uh, afraid or bummed out to, to draft Todd Gurley at all. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. 
Uh, he might knock on the door of a thousand rushing yards. I don't think he has. I don't think he rushes for quite a thousand yards, but I think he's close. And he has major touchdown upside. I'm thinking nine, ten total touchdowns. So that we're talking receiving and rushing yards. So I would have no issue uh, drafting and using Todd Gurley as my running back too on my fantasy team this season. Great, uh, great compliment of guys. Four, very four guys that are. Um, in a way, unlike unlike each other, but also in a way you can draw a weird uh, connection to all four of them, being Drew Locke, uh, Denzel Mims, Todd Gurley, and uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, and all, all being drafted at very different positions within the draft so far. Absolutely. So thank you very much for everyone that has got in contact with us on Twitter. You can find us at F10YFantasy, and we're always here for some chatter about anything to do with fantasy football. Trade of the day. So moving into our final segment of the show, everybody's favourite segment, it is trade of the day. And we have taken some trades from the Twitter sphere, and these are in mostly Dynasty Leagues, and we're just going to pick a side as to what they go. So this one is from at Fantasy Outlaw. It is a super flex tight end premium Dynasty League. On one Oof. side, we've got Tua, and on the other side, we've got Minshew and Engram. Which side are you going, Chris? So I'm just repeating this, so I got it. So it's uh, Tua Tagovailoa, you said, and Gardner Correct. Minshew, and Gardner yeah. Minshew uh, f- straight up for Ingram. No, sorry, it's Tua for Minshew and Ingram. Oh, okay. Oh, it's the tight end from the yes. from the Giants. You're yes, saying correct. Evan Evan Ingram. Okay. Evan Ingram. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So uh, let me just repeat it one last time. Tua straight up for Gardner Minshew and Evan Ingram in uh new york so looking looking at it right off the bat uh the excitement that has surrounded uh tua tagaviola has reached uh insanely high proportions right and i just don't see a a a, a factor or a, a situation where i would uh not accept it for the Gardner Minshew, Evan Ingram side. So you got a, a rookie running, or excuse me, a rookie quarterback who we don't know what we're going to get out of as far as this season is concerned. As I said in the broadcast, in the beginning of the broadcast, not to contradict myself, I do believe he, he is the starting quarterback to start the season. I am not the end-all, be-all. I don't know what Miami's going to do. Let's say there's a scenario where Tua doesn't start until week five or six while you have uh, Minshew and Evan Ingram playing since week one. So I believe that the, given a tight end premium as well, that Evan Ingram and the Gardner Minshew side are the clear winner here. Yeah, exactly. And it all comes down to, to knowing what we're getting out of these players. The, the tight end premium really does sell the Evan Ingram there. And he is somebody that I absolutely love, but he's just never had that chance to get going in New York. And he, he came in at the, the end of Eli's career. He's, he's been hampered with injuries so far, but he is, he's a tight end where they're not going to use him in blocking situations. He's, he's, just a, he's just a big wide receiver, really. So if we can be getting yeah. some kind of wide receiver production out of him from the tight end position in a tight end premium league, he could be a really, really useful asset to own. So I'm with you on the, the Gardner Minshew and Evan Ingram side of that trade. And Next. if... 
sorry, real quick, just to finish this up, Evan Ingram had, he was being used so much last season until week eight that he just fell into, he was in the top 10 overall in tight ends after like uh, eight weeks, if I'm not mistaken, just for the simple fact of his, of his usage rate. And like you said, he's had uh, hip injuries and soft tissue injuries that have hampered uh, his long t- long-term uh, usage. Yeah, so next up we've got at Hanover FFist. And this is a points per reception and a points per carry league. And this is just straight up James White for Julian Edelman. So two New England guys there in a points per reception and a points per carry league. You know, you know what's funny? I've never, I mean, obviously I know what a PPR league, point per reception. I've never heard of a point per uh, carry. So every no, time your running back, every time your running back gets the ball for a carry, that's a point. That's that's pretty wild. So looking into it, so uh, James White straight up for Julian Edelman. Um, I'm going Julian Edelman here, and I don't want to say not close because it is, but it's follow me here. It's it's closer to the not close side than it is to the even side. If that makes sense, I'm like a madman rambling here, but you know. <laughs> Julian Edelman's going to be on the field every play. He moves the chains. He's a stud PPR kind of guy. How many games last season? We I could look it up real quick while we're while we're hanging out. But he's always in that nine to twelve receptions a game uh, kind of conversation. Where if you look on the other side, James White only gets X amount of uh, carries or passes per game. So it's it's Julian Edelman to me here. Even with, well, he had up as many as 94 carries in 2018. Does that not not sway you? Mm. I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot. I mentioned it, and I totally forgot that you get a point uh, per carry. So last season he had uh, 67. Yeah. Uh, And then so this year I think, uh, not to contradict myself, but I think he's going to be in in the 50s somewhere. So that's 50 points. Uh, right off the bat and then Edelman he's going to have about 70 80 catches so that's 80 points right off the bat and then I I, I firmly believe Edelman will do more with his receptions than James White will do with his carries and receptions combined still Edelman for me still Edelman I'm going to agree with you on that one I was just playing devil's advocate with the, the points per carry and the reason I included that one yeah I've never heard of the points per carry either I think it's just an interesting, interesting factor into your league to yeah. to help you could get, the running backs. You could get weekly totals where it's uh, five hundred and seventy six to six hundred and seventy five, and you know the <laughs> winning team and the losing team get out of hand crazy. Definitely. And the last one that we're going to look at today is from at km charlie seventy five, and this is a half point PPR dynasty league. We are looking at Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Keenan Allen, and that is a trade for AJ Brown, Joe Burrow, and Cam Akers. I think this is quite an easy one in my opinion, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it first, please, Chris. Yeah, so I got Clyde Edwards, um, Keenan Allen, Cam Akers, and uh, who were the other two? AJ Brown and Joe Burrow. AJ Brown. And Jed and, and Burrow. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Keenan Allen, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire side here over uh, over Acres um, and Joe Burrow. Uh, 
caught me off guard on this one. I would have uh, liked to have it in front of me so I could have dug in a little deeper, but on the spot uh, without looking at anything, I know you guys can't see me right now, but David and I can see each other. We're hanging out, chatting, flashing hand signs and signals and stuff. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm just too high on what Clyde Edwards Hilaire can do. Uh, I've always been a huge Keenan Allen guy. People are already discounting him and what he's going to do this season, but he's, he's going to be in line for another thousand yard season, another six to seven touchdowns. Um, Long-term cam acres. I like his prospects, but as far as this season is concerned, uh, don't know how much we can expect from him. Maybe that's, that's crazy of me to say that, but I, I'm still on the side of the fence where I don't want to completely get nuts and buy into these rookie running backs. We don't know how the usage is going to shake out. And when it comes to Joe Burrow, um, I love his long-term prospects. There's no way he does not throw for 20 touchdowns this season, but there's going to be a lot of uh, growing pains in the meantime. So to me, Clyde Edwards and Keenan Allen are the winning side for me here. And we finally disagree, Chris. I am on the opposite side of the fence to you here. I think just getting that extra player in the trade and with it being only the, the half-point PPR for me, I'm a, a massive A.J. Brown fan headed into this season. Obviously, Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, is going to have, he's going to have a fair to, for, fair to good season in Cincinnati this year. But for me, I, it, the scales tip slightly in the favour of AJ Brown, Joe Burrow and Cam Akers for that one there. So that concludes today's podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure once again, Chris. Thank you so much for, for taking your time out of your day to, to join us. Uh, just a little time to, to promote your work again, who you are, what you're doing and where, most importantly, we can find you on social media. Sure. Thanks uh, again. Thanks for having me. Uh, Really good discussion. I love the uh, the trade talk and the would you rather. Uh, it gets your mind thinking. Even if I I am in front of a computer right now, so it was easy to you know to punch in the player and look up their numbers and compare the stats. But that's what it's all about for me. Num counting numbers and this and that. So uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I enjoyed myself. You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Beastie. Uh, all my content and my work is at uh, dfscheatsheet.com. Hopefully we're getting sports back pretty soon. So we'll be able to start getting out more DFS content for you. We've got an optimizer over there. Uh, message me, DM me, let's chat. I'm always willing to hang out and have fun with anybody. And I have a collaboration article coming out soon. Um, it's a young wide receiver and a young uh, quarterback combo article, if that makes sense. So like Joe Burrow and T Higgins, Sam Darnold and, um, uh, Denzel Mims, things of that nature. And I'm, I'm actually doing a collaboration with a guy named Tim who works at Sideline Squib, who sent us a question not too long ago. So um, it, it, it pays to have fun, support people, build relationships. You don't never know what's going to come from it. So uh, thanks for having me on. Shout out to uh, Jeremy Sarnia at DFS Cheat Sheets. And you can find me at Detroit Beastie. Fantastic. And I would just give a quick shout out to the guys currently taking part in the UK industry league drafts. So we've set up a couple of leagues, both dynasty Superflex leagues, and we're just going through the startup drafts at the moment. 
And this is just a couple of leagues that have been branded as the AFC and the NFC for any content producers based on this side of the ponds, just so that we can help share each other's work, get promotions going, just to, to really promote what we've got going on here. So yeah, shout out to the guys in the NFL UK fantasy leagues. Also, just a quick reference to what is going on currently on the Full 10 Yards website. You'll notice, if you haven't read it already, go and check out Tim's Fantasy Football Nightmares Part 2. And also, we have got a Top 10 NFL Quarterbacks Going Into 2020 article on there. And I know Tim is also doing some work for Britball that will be published at some point next week. So make sure you check out www.full10yards.com. You can find us on Twitter at Full10Yards and also the, the fantasy branch at F10Y Fantasy. So that concludes today's podcast. I have been your host, David Davenport. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep those eyes peeled. You've been listening to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, Fantasy Football, College Football and even Britball. Thanks for listening and remember folks, keep those eyes peeled.